Welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We welcome our church family and also our visiting friends. Thank you for coming to worship with us. To find out more about Greensburg Baptist Church, our upcoming events, and other church activities, visit our website anytime at greensburgbaptist.com. Amen. You may be seated. Once again, I want to say welcome to Greensburg Baptist Church. We are so thankful that you are here this morning. I also want to take just a moment to say a special welcome to the people that are joining us by radio and also any form of technology. We are thankful that you are a part of our congregation this morning as well. If you are joining us by technology, as we um, end the broadcast this morning, you're either going to see or hear instructions of how to contact Brother Blake and me if you should have questions of a spiritual nature. And I want to encourage you to do that. There are a few things that actually excite us more than getting to talk to somebody about Jesus. So we want to encourage you to reach out if you have questions about a spiritual, uh, anything about a spiritual relationship with Jesus Christ. This morning, we are going to be continuing our journey through the book of Colossians. I'm going to be in Colossians chapter 3, and I'm going to start in verse 18 and continue through verse 1 of chapter 4. And the title of this morning's message is, It's All About Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Now that sounds really good, doesn't it? It's all about Jesus. So many times we hear that statement, it's all about Jesus, and it sounds good, but as I was working through this message for this morning, it caused me to stop and just do an evaluation of my life, of the activities that I'm involved in, and I had to ask my question, I had to ask myself the question, how many of those things that I spend my time in are really all about Jesus? How many of those things truly are all about Jesus? And I hope that you will do the exact same thing this morning. I hope that you will just uh, do a mental inventory of the things that you spend your time in and see whether or not those things are all about Jesus. I will tell you, one of my uh, goals of the sermon today is to take every verse of the text and point it back to Jesus. That, that is one of my goals this morning. Since we are continuing through the book of Colossians, I want to do just a very, very quick review for the people that are uh, joining us since I preached the last time and the people that are listening on the radio that possibly hasn't heard one of the messages in this particular sermon series. The book of Colossians is possibly the first of Paul's prison epistles. He wrote that from prison. Now, the church at Colossae, where we get the title Colossians, It was not founded by Paul, nor was it visited by Paul. Instead, it was likely founded by Epaphras. Now, you're going to hear, if you don't don't know who that man is, you are going to hear about him, not today, but probably the next sermon in this series. If not that one, the, the closing one. This letter was written to encourage a group of believers who were growing spiritually. Now, with that, I want to ask us a question. Number one, are you growing spiritually? Are you personally growing spiritually? And then I want to ask you, if not, why not? If not, why not? Why are we not growing spiritually? Are we spending time reading the Bible? Are we spending time praying? If we're not growing spiritually, folks, there's a reason. There is a reason. And I want you to know it is not the will of Jesus for any of us to ever become stagnant 
in our relationship with Him. So are you growing spiritually? And if not, why not? And then also I want to ask you, who have you noticed that is growing spiritually? Who have you noticed? And then what are you doing to reach out and encourage them? Discipleship is so very crucial. And finally, this letter was written to warn a group of believers who were being confronted with false teaching which undermined the supremacy and the sufficiency of Jesus. I hope you realize when Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians, false teaching was very real. It was very real. Guess what? It is very real today as well. False teaching occurs not very far from here. Not very far from here. And you might be wondering, so how will I know? How will I know if I am exposed to false teaching? Folks, we've got to know our Bible. We have got to take the responsibility that we have to read our Bibles seriously. And as you hear Brother Blake and I challenge you so many times, Acts 17.11, that was a situation where Paul was preaching to the Berean Jews. It says they received his message with eagerness, with gladness, but they still searched the Scriptures daily to see if what Paul preached to them was actually true. We challenge you to do the same thing. That is how you will know if you are ever exposed to false teaching. So as we read the text this morning, again, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 18. And I'd like to ask you at this point, if you're physically able to stand, would you stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word? If you have your Bible, I hope you're reading along in your Bible. If you don't have your Bible with you, you can read along on the screen. God's Word tells us, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged. Verse 22, Slaves, obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done, and there is no favoritism. Masters, deal with your slaves justly and fairly, since you know that you too have a master in heaven. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for the reading of your word. Father, now I pray that you will simply hide me behind your cross. Father, I pray that you will give me the ability to be crystal clear. I pray that you will give me the ability to be laser focused. And Father, finally, I pray that you will just simply move me out of the way and let them see you. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, most of the time when I preach, my messages usually have about three main points. This message is different this morning. I have one main point, and I really hope that by the time that we leave here this morning that we'll all be able to quote it. But I'm going to have it on the screen. I think it's going to be on every slide from this point forward, beginning with this one. But my main point of this message is genuine spiritual living is bringing relationships into compliance with the example of Christ. Genuine spiritual living 
It's bringing relationships into compliance with the example of Christ. And I want to be sure we understand at the, at the very beginning that relationships might possibly be our best testing ground for whether or not our spirituality is actually authentic or not. Think about that for just a minute. Our relationships might possibly be our best testing ground for whether or not our spirituality is authentic or not. So just just think about some of the types of relationships that we have. If you're married, you have a relationship with your spouse. If you have children, you have a relationship with your children. If you work, you have a relationship with your co-workers. You have some type of relationship with your employer. We have some type of relationship. We have many types of relationships as we go through life. And as people look at us while we're outside of this building, that's one way that they can test as to whether or not our spirituality is actually real. True spirituality deals with real life. Folks, I want you to know this morning, it's easy to say, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back while we're here together as a community of believers. It is really easy to say, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to Him, I freely give. It is really easy to say that while we're here together as a group of believers But what happens tomorrow when you get that phone call and somebody that you love has died unexpectedly? What happens tomorrow when you get that phone call and it is bad, bad news? What happens when you make a bad decision? Do we still say, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back? Or do we give in to the world? Do we look just like the world True spirituality deals with real life. Now, I also want you to know that the false teachers promoted ideas which made spirituality the possession of a special few who tapped into some type of higher knowledge. Maybe they engaged in some type of uh, mystical experience or conformed to a code of rules. And Paul is saying that is not true He is pointing them in a different direction. And that's also what I'm doing this morning. He told them spirituality is not impossible. And I want you to know that this morning. Spirituality is not impossible. A relationship with Jesus is not impossible. But it involves submitting to the supremacy of Christ, which will transform our character and it will revolutionize our relationships. I wonder this morning, does anybody desire that your character be transformed? Does anybody desire that your, rev- that your relationships be revolutionized? I want you to know there is one person and one person only that can do that, and that is Jesus Christ. And I wonder this morning, do you know Him today? Now, as we get ready to dig into our text verse by verse, I want to make sure that we understand, and this is crucial, you've got to get this in order for the rest of this text to make sense, make complete sense. When Paul wrote the book of Colossians, the household consisted of three sets of relationships. Now stay with me. It's important that you understand this because I would be willing to bet 
that as soon as I read verse 18, just a few minutes ago, wives submit to your husbands, I bet there was some cringing going on. And I bet there were some men in the room that say, yeah, bring it on. Bring it on. Well, you know what? I'm going to. But it's probably not going to take the direction that you might have suspected. Especially if you were wanting me to bring it on. It's important that we understand when Paul wrote this book, the household consisted of three sets of relationships. They were husband and wife, parent and child, and master and slave. That is the reason that Paul wrote as he did for the remainder of this chapter. There were three types of household relationships that he knew those people would understand. And so that is the reason that we see him write as he does. But with that in mind, verse 18, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Now we realize this is God's Word. But in order to understand this verse fully, we've got to ask our question, what exactly is meant here in this verse by the word submit? How do you know what you're supposed to do? What is meant by this word submit? It's a call to recognize and respond to the God-ordained authority of the husband. The God-ordained authority of the husband. Men, husbands, I want you to understand That it is the Lord's desire for you to act as the spiritual leader of your household. It is. It is the Lord's desire for you to act as the spiritual leader of your household. Now, I realize there's a number of households that that does not occur in. And in those cases, I am so thankful for a godly wife that will be the spiritual leader of that house. But husbands, I want you to know that's what God's called you to do. And if you're not doing that, you need to man up and take your responsibility seriously. Now, when we are talking about submission here, I want to be sure that we understand that submission does not diminish the the equality or does it destroy the dignity of the wife. And you might be wondering, why? How can that be possible? Remember, I said at the beginning that I wanted to point every one of these verses back to Jesus. Now, the reason, the reason that submission does not diminish the equality or destroy the dignity of the wife, it's because Christ himself is the model of equality with God and submission to the one with whom he is equal. Look at 1 Corinthians 11.3. But I want you to know that Christ is the head of every man, and the man is the head of the woman, and God is the head of Christ. Now, I think our screen is stuck. We're going to move on again. We are talking about genuine spiritual living is bringing relationships into compliance with the example of Christ. Verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. Husbands, love your wives and don't be bitter toward them. Now, although the husband has been given a role of authority, he is not to treat his wife as a subject. He is not to treat his wife as a subject. You want to just throw the PDFs up for me, please? The husband's call is to sacrificial love. Sacrificial love. Husbands, 
I want to ask us a question this morning. How many of us truly love our wives sacrificially with a sacrificial love? That's hard. That is hard. That means laying your needs down and placing your wives' needs ahead of yours. That's one of the things it means. Now, I want you to know the model for this is Jesus Christ. The model for this is Jesus Christ. If you're taking notes, I want you to write down Ephesians 5.25, which says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Again, we are talking about genuine spiritual living is bringing relationships into compliance with the example of Christ. Laying your your life down for your wife. Yes, it involves the ability to do that physically. But it's also a choice you make daily that does not mean physical death. It's putting her needs ahead of your own. That's hard. That is hard to do. But guess what? It is exactly what Jesus called us to do. All right, Colossians 3.20. Children, I want you to listen at me because I want to talk directly to you for just a moment. We're thankful that we have all our children in the sanctuary this morning. If you are visiting with us this morning... Each fifth Sunday, we don't do children's church. We keep all children in the sanctuary because it's a pleasure to be able to worship with our children. One of the things that we did this summer, each Wednesday night, we worshiped with our children, and it was a blessing to see, and we are thankful they are here today. We are always thankful for our children. But children, I want you to hear this verse. Children, obey your parents in everything. Obey your parents in everything. Why? For this pleases the Lord. Now, I want to be sure that you understand that it doesn't just say obey your parents in the times that you want to, in the times that you understand, in the times that you agree with your parents. No, it says to obey your parents in everything because this pleases the Lord. And we want our lives to please the Lord. Exodus twenty twelve. one of the Ten Commandments tells us to honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So children, be sure to obey your parents. One day you're probably going to be parents and I can tell you you're going to want your children to obey you. This pleases the Lord. Verse 21 is a message directly to fathers. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they won't become discouraged. Now, you know, I don't know how much you work with children. I know some of you work with children extensively. But sometimes it's hard for people right here in Greensburg, Kentucky, to believe that any child could ever possibly be discouraged. 
If you hold that thought process, I want to invite you to come on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and volunteer either in our children's ministry or our youth ministry. And I can pretty much promise you by the end of that first night, your opinion will change. Because we we, uh, serve a lot of children on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. A lot of those children have heard things like, you'll never amount to anything. You are worthless. My life would be better off without you. Can you imagine hearing that day in and day out? Over and over, you come to a point where it's it's easy to believe it. It's easy to believe it. But we are so thankful that the Lord has given us children to love here on Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. And I invite you to come and be a part of that. The children, I want you to know this morning, if you're hearing me, that your worth is not determined by any type of grade that you make. Your worth is not determined by any type of athletic ability that you might have. Your worth is not determined by any type of musical ability that you might have. Your worth is determined directly by Jesus Christ. And He thought that you were worth it. He was willing to give His life for you. He thought that you were worth it. I want to point us to 1 Samuel 16, 7b. There we see that humans do not see what the Lord sees. For humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. The Lord sees the heart. Finishing out this particular text, it tells us slaves obey your human masters in everything. Don't work only while being watched as people pleasers, but work wholeheartedly, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for whatever wrong he has done, and there is no favoritism. Masters, deal with your slaves justly and fairly, since you know that you too have a master in heaven. Now I want you to stay with me for just a minute. Remember back near the beginning of the of the service today, I was telling you that there were three types of relationships that were in place regarding household relationships when Paul wrote this letter. One was master and slave. So I want you to stay with me just a minute because now you might be, you might read this and think, well, you know, we don't have slaves anymore. We don't necessarily have masters anymore. So does the rest of this text even apply to me? The answer is yes, it does. This text still applies to us very much today. And I want you to stay with me for just a minute and just imagine for a moment that instead of the word slaves here, that we were talking about a work relationship and we were talking about employees and employers. And just imagine how different our workplaces would be today if we obeyed our employers and everything while we were on the job. How differently would the workplace look today if we worked all the time like we do when we're being watched? 
I don't know if you've ever seen it or not, but I have seen it personally. Sometimes people are different when the boss walks into the room. They perform differently. What would the workplace be like today if we performed all the time just like we did if the boss was in the room? You know, I wonder how would the workplace look if we followed verse 23. Whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. I wonder how would you do your job? Maybe you work at a factory. How would you do your job if Jesus were running the machine right next to you? How would you do your job then? What if Jesus was a teacher in the next classroom at school? What if Jesus were in the hospital room? What if Jesus were in the ER? What if Jesus were in the exam room? Would we do our jobs differently? Guess what? He's there. He's there whether you see him or not. He is in that classroom. He's in the exam room. He is in that factory at the machine. Do we see him? Do we want to acknowledge that he's there? I want to remind you again that genuine spiritual living is bringing relationships into compliance with the example of Christ. And while we're on a work environment with this particular text, I want to remind you, if you are in a supervisory position, deal with your employees fairly because you also have a master who is in heaven. Let's look at Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8 to tie this back to Jesus. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. I want you to know for sure this morning that there is coming a day that every knee is going to bow before Jesus. And I want to make sure that we don't misunderstand. Not every knee that bows on that day is going to be permitted to enter heaven. In fact, there's going to be a good number of those on that day that their eternity is in hell. I wonder this morning, do you know where you are going to be spending eternity? If you don't, we want to give you an opportunity this morning, here in just a few minutes, to know where you're going when this life is over. As we prepare to close this morning... I want to remind you that Paul opened chapter 3 by urging believers to look above. And guess what? He closed this chapter the exact same way. Wives are to look above to Christ as their example of submission. Husbands are to look above to Christ as their example of obedience. Slaves are to look above to Christ as their impartial rewarder. And masters are to look above to Christ as their heavenly judge. Now remember at the beginning I said that the title of this message was It's All About Jesus. It's all about Jesus. 
And I want to ask you now, is your life all about Jesus? Is your life all about Jesus? And then right after that, we were talking about, um, when I was going into the history about why Paul wrote this particular book, I asked you a question, are you growing spiritually? And if not, why not? And I want to give you just a moment to evaluate your life right now. If you're not growing spiritually, why not? Why not? And I'm pretty sure I have the answer if as to why we might not be growing spiritually, as to why a person might not be growing spiritually. You see, I want to make sure you understand today that the, our enemy, the devil, Satan, is always at work. He is always working. And guess what? Yes, he, he would love for you to do something that the world would identify with as being a horrible, horrible thing. He would love that. He would absolutely love it. But he realizes that a lot of people, even though they might not be where they should be spiritually, they are good, moral people. I believe the enemy realizes that he has a much harder time getting those good, moral people to make a serious moral mistake. And you know what? I believe Satan is just as happy. If he can't make you do something bad, he will make you busy. He will make you busy. And I know that you probably cannot read all the text on the screen, so I'm going to read it for you this morning. If he makes you busy, you will probably not have enough time for prayer. You will probably not have enough time to seriously pray. You'll be too busy. If the devil is successful in making you busy, you are not going to have time for Bible reading where you grow in your knowledge and in your relationship with Jesus. If the devil is successful in making you busy, you are not going to have time to lead your families in any type of devotion any time during the day. If the devil is successful in making you busy, you will have absolutely no time for evangelism. And guess what? No, few things would satisfy the devil more than that. He doesn't want you to evangelize. But if he can get you busy, guess what? When we, when we do door-to-door, you're not going to come because you're too busy. You're too busy doing other things. If he's successful in making you busy, you're not going to have time for church. It will just be, we'll come when we want to. But we have time for all the other things. And I want you to realize, sometimes the things that he has us busy doing are really, really good things. Really, really good things. But if we do enough really, really good things that it causes us not to have time to pray, not to have time to read our Bible, not to have time to disciple our family, not to have time to tell others about Jesus, and not to have time to come to church, it is a really bad thing. And the devil's got us right where he wants us. So I wonder this morning, how busy are we? How busy are our lives? What do we need to give up so we can truly say, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. What might we need to give up in our life 
in order to say, I surrender all. We can, we can say that as long as we want to, but until we actually surrender all, we've done nothing. He is not happy with partial surrender. I wonder this morning if there might be somebody in this room that does not know Jesus. Today's the day you can meet Him. I was talking with a child earlier this morning about the ABCs of salvation. And it truly is that easy. It is so easy that a child can understand how to accept Jesus as their Savior. But sometimes adults want to make it much more difficult than it actually is. Brother Blake and I would love to talk to you about salvation. We urge you to come forward during the invitation if you do not know for certain where you would spend your eternity if your life were to end today. Possibly there's people here this morning that after hearing this message, you realize, I need to be better to my spouse. Maybe you need to commit to do that today. Maybe you just need to come forward and commit to do that today. Maybe there's some parents here this morning that realize, I need to treat my children better. Maybe there's some children here today that need to make the commitment, I am going to obey my parents because it pleases the Lord. Maybe there's some people here today that you realize that the Lord is calling you to unite with us here as a member of Greensburg Baptist Church. If that's, if that's how you feel, we rejoice with you and we urge you to let Brother Blake and I know we would love to meet with you and explain membership in Greensburg Baptist Church. We would love to receive you with open arms. But this morning, as we go toward invitation, I want to encourage you just to be obedient to what the Lord's calling you to do. I do believe that there's decisions that need to be made in this place today. And I really think that the reason sometimes we don't see people come forward is during invitation is because the enemies at work, what will they think if you come forward? What will they think? It doesn't matter what anybody thinks other than Jesus Christ. He is the only person that uh, their opinion really matters. So don't stay in your seat if the Lord is calling you to come forward. Would you pray with me, please? Father, thank you for the day that you've given us. Thank you for each blessing that you have sent our way. Father, I thank you for the people that you have brought into this place today. And Father, I pray now as we go into this time of invitation, I pray that your Holy Spirit will just fall. I pray that we will see people today surrender all. But I pray that we will hear the testimony of people affirming today, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Father, I thank you for what you will do in this place and for what that is. We will give you praise, honor, and glory for it all. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. This is Todd Young with Greensburg Baptist Church. Thank you for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ during today's podcast, we would love to hear from you and connect you with a home church in your area. Or if you have questions regarding a relationship with Christ, Brother Blake and I would love to speak with you. Please contact us at the church office at 270-932-4495 or connect with us through our website at greensburgbaptist.com. In addition, you may visit our website anytime to access the sermon videos and podcast of any recent sermon. You may also subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes store. 
Have a great day today.